Good morning, Grant. It's Pastor Rob. It's great to see you today. Hey, we're starting a, the first week of a new series. Uh, but before we get into that, I want to spend a second talking about kids. Um, you know, those of us who, who have kids. I guess I never, before I had them, I don't think I realized how dangerous silence is. Um, there was a, I've told the story before, but, and I should have known something was wrong here in the story because of the silence. But, you know, there was one day my wife was running a daycare out of our home. She did that for several years. And there was one day where Heather needed a break and she left and she told me all the kids were down for a nap. And we could get into the details later about pieces and bits and pieces of this story, some of which indicate that maybe I should have known things I didn't know uh, because Heather told me, or maybe because she didn't tell me, but we're not going to split hairs. But the point would be that uh, she had all the kids in, in her daycare down for a nap, and Heather needed a break. She needed to leave. She needed to go somewhere. And so I said, okay, they're all down for a nap, and I went into my office, and I started working on some things from work. And then I hear an adult. I hear an adult voice say, hello, hello, and, there, and it was not Heather, and there should not be an adult in the house at the time. And so I go around the corner, and it's our neighbor, Mrs. Slaybaugh. And Mrs. Slaybaugh says, I thought you'd like to know that your son is riding naked on a big wheel down the street. Well, first I thanked her for letting me know, because yes, I should in fact know that he's riding naked down the street. And then I said, I'm really glad it wasn't somebody else's kid. And I went and got him, and I brought him home. But if I had to look back, I would have to say, I should have known. I should have known it was too quiet it was too easy that, that, that watching nine kids, even if they're all supposed to be taking a nap, to have it just be silent. That's not a, a normal, <laughs> a normal sound. The sound of silence is not normal when you're surrounded by a bunch of small children. And in fact, usually if, if they are, you should get worried. You should get worried that something has gone wrong or they're doing something they shouldn't be doing and they, they don't want you to catch them. Uh, s- silence is, in a lot of, in other ways too, I think, silence is one of those things that we, we find to be disconcerting at times. If, if you are uh, trying to sleep at night, I know my house, we have fans on. We sleep with fans on. There's a fan running in CJ's room. There's a fan running in Josh's room. If Rachel has a room, there's a fan running in her room. There's a fan running in our room. And there's probably another bathroom fan running for good measure. Because we all have to have kind of this this white noise going on in the background. We've trained ourselves to need it. Um, But at the end of the day, we don't like it when it's just silent. It's just quiet. I think in our day-to-day lives, we do the same thing. We've always got music or something going on in the background, right? Maybe it's the TV, even if you're not really watching it. Or it's, you're playing something, you're playing music on a, on a, if you, on a record or a CD or a Spotify or something of that nature. You're just playing music in the background, so there's, there's something, there's some kind of noise. Or maybe you're listening to a podcast, just so that there's some kind of noise in the background, and you don't feel like you're all by yourself or you're all alone, Something about the human condition does not like silence. I think it's one of the, the reasons we're having a little more trouble with COVID. I mean, I saw uh, <laughs> a story the other day of uh, 
a video of a guy who said it was comparing introverts during COVID-19 and extroverts during COVID-19. And the introverts uh, were going, yes, I'm in by myself. I don't have to go talk to people. All is well. I'm good. I'm, I love this. And the extroverts are going, I can't handle it. I can't take it. <laughs> I got to talk to somebody. I got to get out. I got to do something, right? And I think even the introverts would tell you that though maybe it's not people that they gain their energy from, the idea of just sitting silently is weird. It's weird in our day and age. That's not how we tend to manage our lives. It bothers us when silence happens. And over the course of this series, what we're going to do is look at silence. Uh, the name of the series is The Quiet Game, and we're going to look at the silence of God. What happens when, God's, when God seems silent? It bothers us. We wonder, even as the followers of Jesus Christ, there are times in our life when, when God is not speaking loudly or clearly, and we have difficulty hearing his voice or understanding what direction he wants us to go or where he's asking us to head. And that's really hard. It bothers me. If, I'm, if I cannot clearly hear where God is want me, wanting me to go, I wonder. I wonder, are you, are you still there? Uh, have you forgotten? Especially when times are difficult, when we're going through, through tragedies or major life challenges or, or instances like we're living with right now with COVID-19. If God's voice isn't obvious and isn't in some ways we hope louder, right? It's really easy to get so wrapped up in everything else to hear all the other voices in our world right our frustrations and our anger and 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 our hurt and our sadness and our worry and all of those things those voices begin to drown out anything else that we might have heard from God and it feels like God is not talking he seems silent and and I picked that word seems on purpose I, I want to be clear it seems silent but a lot like that kid, right, your children, when, when they're silent, they're doing something. God is also moving even when we think he is silent. So, again, the name of the series is The Quiet Game. Trusting God's presence even when he seems silent. If you would open your Bibles to Psalm 42, we're going to spend all the next four weeks in the Psalms because it is the cry of the writer of the Psalms, the writers of the Psalms, as they are reminding, as they are reaching out to God, and in a lot of cases wondering where he is and what's going on, or, or celebrating his presence. The Psalms touch our hearts because they are at their core, they are songs, they are music music sung to God, and if you consider even our modern songs as we write them, we write them out of our experiences. We write them out of our longings. We write them out of our pains. We write them and sing along with them in connection with our joys. Songs are a powerful indicator of how we're feeling and what we're thinking. Even if we didn't write them, even if we just are listening to them, that's why we connect with them so well and why we connect with the Psalms so well. This week we're going to spend some time in Psalm 42 as we try to look at what it means to trust God in these difficult times when we feel like he's silent by remembering who he has always been in our lives. All right? So let's look at Psalm 42. 
says, as a deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you. God, I, I thirst for God, the living God. When I came, when I can, when, when can I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while all day long people say to me, where is your God? I remember this as I pour out my heart, how I walked with many, leading, leading the festive procession to the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. Why, my soul, are you dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. My God, I am deeply depressed. Therefore, I, can, I, I remember you from the land of Jordan and the peaks of Hermon, from the deep calls to deep, to the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your billows have swept over me. The Lord will send his faithful love by day and his song will be with me in the night. A prayer to the God of my life. I will say to you, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go into sorrow because of the enemy's oppression? My adversaries taunt me as if it crushes my bones, while all day long they say to me, Where is your God? Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. What the writer of this psalm is experiencing, and what... what many of the psalm writers and many followers of God have experienced over the years is something R.C. Sproul calls the dark night of the soul. If we look at, it hits, really hits all of us, even God's people at various times in our lives. If we look at 1 Kings chapter 19, you see the, the story of the prophet Elijah. And just to give it some context, in chapter 18, right before what I'm about to tell you, he has just been a part of watching God do, I think, one of the most amazing things ever uh, in raining fire down on the prophets of all the gods that were were against him, right? And seeing God do these amazing, amazing things to save him and to save his people and to remind them of who he is and what he's done. And it, it strikes me crazy. The next scene, it starts off with, and Elijah is running. He's being chased by Queen Jezebel and King Ahab, the prophets of, who, of whom they, he had just watched God defeat. But in chapter 19, verse 4, he says he went a day's journey into the wilderness and he sat under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die. Even the prophet Elijah, a man of God who loves the Lord, knows the Lord, has seen the Lord work miracles in, in his life, is sitting under a tree going... God, I wish, I wish this was over. It's the, the dark night of the soul, the season or this time when things just don't make sense. Jesus himself even felt like he was separated from God at times, even though he is God. He felt like he was separated from the Father. In the Garden of Gethsemane, we see in Luke chapter 22 that he is, he is so stressed on the eve of being hung on the cross for our sins. On the eve of that, he's in the garden. It says in, in Luke twenty-two forty-four, it says, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And this is the part that blows my mind. He says, then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. He was so distressed and in so much darkness 
that blood was sweating from him. I say this not to discourage us, but to remind us. To remind us that even for those who are closest to God, there are seasons, there are times, sometimes they are long, sometimes they are short, where it feels like God is silent. And it feels like we can't hear him. And again, that is the goal of this series, is to kind of walk through what does life look like when I can't hear God and I want to hear God and how do I respond and how do I learn or am able to hear his voice again the psalmist even in the midst of of what we just read right he said this this why am I so dejected he's yelling at his own soul right he says in verse 5 and he says again at the end in verse 11 why my soul are you so dejected why are you in such turmoil and he almost orders his soul put your hope in God right is that not a discussion that many of us have had internally including me right I'm going why why I don't want to feel this way this is driving me crazy why can't I hear you God I know I know mentally I know put your hope in God put your hope in God I tell myself that over and over and over again right we've all been in that kind of situation I think where we feel like God where are you I need you here and we know mentally we know but the head and the heart aren't matching up they're not making sense but the psalmist teaches us in the midst of all that what we must do to regain that connection, to remember who our God is and what he has meant to us. The first thing he, he does is he tells them to recognize. Recognize that in the midst of this difficulty that the enemy wants you to question God. In verse 3, he says, my tears have been my food day and night. Can you imagine that's all you're getting? Your tears are the things that keep you moving, I guess. Day and night. While all day long people say to me, where is your God? They're taunting him. This is, this is the, the lies of Satan. Satan wants us to see him rather than God. Several months ago, I was up in the teen room with, with a bunch of the teenagers, and uh, James... God love him. His wallet was, he was sitting in a chair and his wallet was kind of hanging out his back pocket. Um, and I walked up behind him and I kind of tapped him on the back of the head. Well, it may, it may have been more than a tap, but that's a whole other story. I kind of tapped him on the back of the head and pulled his wallet while I did it. And my wife saw me do it and so did some other, other kids and they all go, <gasps> right? But that was the goal. The goal was to misdirect. The goal was to say, was to have James so focused on what, on his head getting slapped, that he missed me taking his wallet. Now, just for the record, I took 20 bucks out of it and gave it, I'm kidding, I didn't take any money. I gave it back to him within a few minutes. But the goal there was simple. The goal was to misdirect him so that I could get what I wanted from him. And that was all fun and games, and, and we were playing. But when Satan does it, it's not fun and games. He will take advantage of every situation you're in. He started in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve when he said to them, look, you know, this, this knowledge that God has that you don't have, you can have that if you just eat of this fruit. If you just do this, you can have this thing that, you know, you know God doesn't want you to have that. He, he misdirected them. 
they didn't even they didn't even recognize that he was working against them because he came to them acting like he was working for them when others ask you in the midst of your turmoil and difficulty where is your god keep in mind that that they are wondering for their own benefit where god is because they're seeking all the same answers that we are. But it could be because there's a force out there that doesn't want you to see your God. They want you to see everything else but him. The second thing he tells us is that that he is to remember that he has always, always been there. My wife and I were having a discussion earlier this week with about a, a Beth Moore study. And one of the things that she said, Beth Moore said in the study was, what is the worst type of suffering? She posed a question to those who were listening. What is the worst type of suffering, physical, emotional, or spiritual? And the answer was the one you're in right now. Whatever your present suffering is, Present difficulties have a way of clouding our judgment and a way of clouding our memory of who God has been and where he has shown up in our lives. The psalmist in this section says, in verse 4, says, I remember, I remember, right? I remember as I pour out my heart how I walked with many, leading the festive procession to the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. I remember being in your presence, God. I remember being washed in your spirit. I remember being with your people. I remember all these incredible things. It's really hard for us to remember those things in the midst of when the world is beating you down, it is really hard to remember when God was lifting you up. Because our present situation, we have a very short attention span, humans do. Our memory is very selective and very dependent upon what we're currently feeling. We are sometimes at risk of making our current situations feel or seem or, or be worse than they really are because of the, the sheer weight of the situation, of the suffering or the difficulty we're experiencing right now. And number one, Satan's happy with that. But, but, but more importantly, the psalmist reminds us that God, God is with us not just in that moment. God is with us for the long haul. He's with us all the way as we go through all of the difficulties in life, all of the, the dark nights of the soul, right? Because there's usually more than one in your life when things are just not right. And the psalmist says, look, he goes back to this phrase, I will remember you. I will remember you and all the things that you've done for me, right? I am deeply depressed, he says, and therefore I remember you from the land of the Jordan, the peaks of Hermon, right? He wants to remember who his God is and what he has done. One of the things that I've talked about over the years, but I don't think ever really shown you, is something I call my rock pile. Now, if our technology works properly, you're about to see a list go up across the screen. It's a list of people in my life or events in my life or times in my life that I keep I keep a list on my phone in Google Keep of all things, but I keep it in my phone. 
And so I keep it there to remind me, not when things are great, because when things are great, it's really easy to remember who your God is and know what he's doing in your life. But when things are bad, it's kind of hard. And if you saw the list there, some of them are, are things that would make total sense if you read them. They're the presence of certain people in my lives when they have shown up, whether they be, they, they be teachers or that, yes, of course, my wife is a gift from God, or they be jo- my, my son Josh being born. If you know about my coming to know the Lord, his birth was a big part in that story. And, but some of them are things that look strange. Finding the Pokemon Y game in Kansas City. If you put that on my list, you're like, what is that and what is all that about? Trust me when I say to you, it may mean not much to you, but to me. In that moment, in that time, God was present. And as trivial as that might seem, the fact of the matter is, God shows up not always in grand stature, but sometimes in quiet prayers. Sometimes in in silent moments in our lives. Sometimes at just the right time to do just the right thing. And for me, the way I remember who he has always been is my rock pile. Some of those things are things that I didn't even recognize his presence until years and years later. Even as followers of Christ, it's really easy to forget, to forget who our God is and where he has been all along, the stresses of our lives, the tensions of our day, the current situation that we are in. Remember what Beth Moore said, right? What's the worst type of suffering? The one you're in right now, the immediacy of that moment. Clouds are memories. And one of the reasons that God, I believe, has written the scriptures down for us is because we are so forgetful. <laughs> it's so that we can remember. We can remember that not only has he been present in our lives, he was, in pres- he was present since the very dawn of time. He was present at their creation. And he's been watching and healing and acting and moving and shaking the earth present in every moment of every day. Paul, in the book of Romans, says it this way. He says in Romans chapter 8, as he considers all the difficulty that he's in, he says in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, he says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. That's why Paul can say later in that same chapter in verse 28, he says, we know that all things work together for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Paul is able to see that and to say that because he knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has been present in his life from the very beginning until now. And you know what? He will be present in his life and in the world from now until the end. It's that perspective, that framework that allows the people of God and has always allowed them and will always allow them to persevere through the most difficult times. And for me, it's key that we remember where he has always been in our lives. And for me, 
one of my ways of remembering is that rock pile. The final thing we learn in this, in this from the psalmist is this, the importance of rekindling that connection to God. If you are in a, a dark time right now, if you're in a dark night of the soul where you feel like the Spirit of God is not talking, you can't hear him, you do not know what is going on, the truth is you have a choice. Your choice is to either lean into him or to shrink away. We all have that choice. And we all have the opportunity to make that choice. I wish it was only once in our lives, but more than once in our lives. This is, this is a journey. That our path with God, our travel with God, is not about so much about re- reaching a destination other than Paul's glory that is going to be revealed to us, right? That is beyond this current life, this world that is not our home. But it is to, to remember and to rekindle and to make the choice day to day to say, I'm going to lean into you in the midst of this because you have always been present, because you have always been faithful, because you sent your son to die for me and save me from my sins, and because of the glory that awaits before me, and because of what you're doing right here, right now, in this time, in this place, even though like those kids that are quiet and you don't know for sure what they're doing, God is doing something even if he seems silent. The psalmist says in verse 8, it says, The Lord will send his faithful love by day. His song will be with me in the night. A prayer to the God of my life. And his soul cries out in verse 11, Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. When God seems silent, when it seems like he's not speaking and not moving in your life. It is critical. And as I was telling somebody earlier today in, in the book of Luke, Jesus says, Luke 22, he says, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And I really do believe that there are seasons in your life when your heart, our hearts are are absolutely on board, excited and ready to go, but our minds are not, and our hearts are there to carry it. Our mind is, is dealing with doubts because people are saying, where is your God? Or dealing with doubts because we're in this difficult time that seems like this dark night of the soul that we can't, we can't quite get out of. And, I, I, and your mind will tell you, no, 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 this isn't real, this doesn't make sense. And, and, but your heart, your heart says to you, it sings to you, and it says, I know you're there, God. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know you're there. I can feel your presence carrying me and lifting me. And then there are times when your heart's not in it. When he is whispering in your ear and you know it and you're saying, no, I don't want to do that. My heart's not in this. I'm not feeling it, God. But your mind is going, but he says he's there. And I know he's there because of where he's been. I know he's there and he's going to carry me through this. This is a journey where our, our bodies and our minds sometimes argue with itself. And it's in those times where we have to make that choice to lean into him who has carried us, who is carrying us, and who will always 
carry us. As we go through, that's as we begin to close here in a minute, we're going to have a closing song. But I wanted to, to stop and, and talk about a few things. Um, one, if you are, don't yet follow us on Facebook or Instagram, I would encourage you to do so. Uh, one of the commitments I, I'm jumping into this week is to begin to try to put out devotionals every... I'm going to. I've already got them planned. <laughs> I'm going to put out devotionals every day based on what we've talked about this week. The idea of just rekindling it and keeping us moving forward and keeping us growing. So I would encourage you to do that if you can. If you can do Facebook or Instagram to follow us, it's an easy way for me to get it out there and an easy way for you to take it in as your time allows. But I also wanted to talk about next weekend. Next weekend we are going to be doing an online service as well, like we've been doing for the last several months. And In fact, I would gather we're probably not going to stop doing that. That's my personal guess. But we're also going to meet together. For the first time in many months, we're going to choose to gather together as a physical body in Christ here at the church. Now we're going to do some things differently. We're going to meet outside. And I just, I want to tell you as, as a matter of, of openness that this has been a difficult decision for the, the members of the leadership team here at Gretna Brethren Church to decide what the right course of action is. There are a lot of emotions around what we should or shouldn't do and there are those that feel like we should have never stopped meeting as one together and there are those that feel like it's just, it's not time yet. We should wait just a little bit longer before we do this. And, and I got to tell you, both of those are passionate positions. And I, I said it the other day to the shepherds on a shepherding phone call. I really believe both of those emotions come from the same place. They come from the fact that we are dealing with a lot of uncertainties right now. And emotions run high. And so this, this decision to meet outside, this decision to say, you know what, if you want to stay in your car and listen over the radio, great. If you want to get out with lawn chairs and be together physically because you're okay with that, great. That decision is born out of a desire to move together in unity. And that's important to understand because especially when emotions are, emotions are running high, unity is hard to find when we all have specific opinions or feelings about what we should or should not do, and we get all have those feelings, believe me. Moving together in unity is a choice. It's a choice to say, we don't have to be unanimous, but we do have to love one another enough to meet in the middle and be unified as we go forward. So some key dates, we're going to reopen the building a little bit to some smaller gatherings once a day on June 1st. Um, there, are, there are bulletins that have gone out. You should, if you didn't get one in the physical mail, if you don't have, we don't have your email address, you will get one in the physical mail within the next couple of days describing a lot of these things. And if you have email, we have sent you one. So if you don't find one either in your physical mailbox or your email box the next few days, please let us know. Please shoot me or Kathy an email. We'll be happy to get you another copy to make sure you, you get to see these things. But we're going to start meeting together outside next Sunday, June 7th. And we're committed to do that through the end of June, 7th, 14th, 21st, and 28th, pending, obviously, weather, <laughs> uh, weather permitting. 
we're committed to do that and then look at it again and decide based on what's going on in the world around us and where God has moved in our hearts, where we can move forward with in unity. No matter what decision we make, it'll probably be too slow for some and too fast for others. Um, And we understand that. But our desire is to try to first and foremost glorify God in the choices we make. And second of all, as his people, as his family, as his body, to remember that he's got this. And, and knowing that he's got that, we can move together as one. So I would encourage you, if you're looking for more information, to check out our Facebook page, our website, our bulletin that should be coming to you. Um, Thursday night at 7 o'clock, you can go to our website and click a button. I'm going to have a live Q&A where you can kind of just log in and answer, ask questions about what we're doing and why and, and the direction we're heading or any questions that are physical about what we're doing in these meetings together and what kind of precautions we're taking. If there are questions that we don't answer in the, in the written formats, we want you to have an opportunity to ask them. Um, and we appreciate your input and we love you so much. Um, I will be the first to say I miss the fact that we are not here together. I miss it greatly. But my concern for that is tempered by my love for those of us who are vulnerable. Because I love you too. (laughs) And I'd like to be able to see you in six months or 12 months or 18 months from now. And sometimes that tempers the decisions that we make. But... Don't let me rattle on anymore because I think we're going to close with an incredible song about how mighty our God is.